Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Today we'll be releasing this episode Tuesday morning since the trade deadline happened yesterday afternoon. We'll discuss some of that later. Brewers making one deal and calling up a pair of players uh, in some corresponding moves. And so we delayed the episode by a day, figured it might be a little bit better. This way can cover a little bit more ground and bring some more content to you. All right, so today's trivia question for you Brewers fans is who is the last Brewers batter to participate in the home run derby? So again, we'll be sharing that answer at the end of the podcast. So mull that over while we go through the podcast and stay through to the end and hear the answer as to who the last Brewers hitter is to participate in a home run derby. We'll just go ahead and get started uh, with looking back at the Brewers over the past week. And so the Brewers had a four game set against the Reds Monday to Thursday. Game one, they took 4-2 to two against the Reds. They uh, faced Trevor Bauer, who was the NLERA leader going into the game. Coughed him up for four runs over six and a third innings, so that was good to see. Brett Anderson turning in a solid start, six innings, two runs. Williams, Phelps, and Hayter each throwing um, scoreless innings. And so Brewers were able to take that one 4-2, to two, get off to a good start. And uh, Yelich went one for three with a walk. Smoke went two for four. Narvaez two for four as well. Uh, off the wall single as well as a double, um, I believe. And so, uh, offense scoring four runs, but overall looked okay. They won the next game three to two, so they went out to uh, a two nothing series lead early on there. Woodruff six innings, two runs, looked pretty good. And uh, Luis Castillo fell to zero uh, and four on the year. Actually, he he overall pitched solid for the Reds, and he's one of the better pitchers in the National League. And so it was nice for the Brewers' offense to. While they didn't erupt, they did have some uh, some pretty strong showings against two of the better arms in the National League, Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo. And so uh, Brewers take game two, three to two. We'll just kind of zoom by a little bit. And then Wednesday was the big day. Uh, Brewers were scheduled to play against the Reds. And then Bucks ended up sitting out um, and boycotting their game for uh, social justice reasons after the Jacob Blake incident in Kenosha, which uh, many, if not all of you, will be aware of. And so the Brewers sat that one out. They they boycotted. And we'll just discuss this a, a little bit. Uh, first of all, I want to make it clear that I have my own personal views. You can have your own personal views, but this is a Brewers podcast. So certainly I think it's understandable that they decided to do that. The thing with the Bucks is at least they, they did do something about it. They they brought awareness to it, but then they also ended up uh, calling the Wisconsin State Attorney General. They uh, contacted numerous local politicians and leaders. And so the Bucks did something about it. The Brewers spoke out about it. And the Brewers kind of led the way around Major League Baseball. There were a number of teams that ended up boycotting their games as well. Not every team, but many of them, either on Wednesday or Thursday. Happened pretty quickly. And so uh, that ended up being the uh, the outcome for the Wednesday game. And then they played a doubleheader on Thursday. A pair of seven inning games, 6-1 and 6-0 were the final scores against the Reds. They scored just one hit um, in in one of those games there in the 6-0 game. And the two starters for those games were Hauser, who went four innings, four runs, nine hits. So uh, not great. And then 
Josh Lindblom went four innings and allowed two runs. Uh, a little bit of a high pitch count, 75 pitches over four innings, and so they turned it over to Peralta. Peralta did allow two runs over one inning, and so the Brewers did end, end up uh, losing both ends of that doubleheader. It was the first ever doubleheader at Miller Park, so 2000 was the last time that the Brewers played a doubleheader in Milwaukee, and that would have been still when they played their home games at County Stadium. So uh, just something interesting to note. Of course, we don't have the rainouts, but still a little bit surprising in my opinion that there has not been a doubleheader in Miller Park's history. And so Brewers split with the Reds uh, two all in the four-game series before traveling to Pittsburgh. So the Brewers then uh, welcomed the Pirates at Miller Park for a four-game series, actually a Friday through Monday set. So that's something that we don't normally see. A little bit of a strange arrangement there. Usually series end on Sunday, but they ended up going through Monday. So the Brewers ended up taking game one, nine to one. Uh, bats came alive. They had four walks as well as eight hits. And uh, Jed Jerko hit two home runs. Braun hit a three run shot. Mark Mathias, a pair of doubles. And so Brewers end up taking that one, nine one. A very good start from Corbin Burns. Six shutout innings, three hits, 10 strikeouts, one walk. And so that was a big thing for, uh, for Burns. Maybe the best start of his career so far. And... Drew Rasmussen as well with, with a couple solid innings at the end of that game. Brewers ended up taking game two, an exciting game, 7-6. Uh, Eric Sogard ended up hitting a walk-off home run, which is uh, a little bit strange to say, to be honest, because that was actually uh, Eric Sogard's first home run of the year, and that was off Richard Rodriguez. The Brewers were down 4-3. to three. And then Avisail Garcia ended up hitting a two-run double with two outs in the bottom of the eighth. Hader came to in to shut the door. He kept his streak going. He didn't allow any hits, but he did walk five batters uh, along with a strikeout. So a third of an inning, five walks. Devin Williams came in, got the job cleaned up a little bit there uh, with his uh, getting the two outs that were really necessary for the, to keep the Brewers in the game. He was able to do that. He's been excellent all year long. And then Eric Sogard ended up um, contributing with that two-run shot. That was after a walk from uh, Jace Peterson. And so the Brewers end up taking game two of the series, 7-6. They went into game three on Sunday, and they lost 5-1. So Brewers uh, falling to the Pirates. Brandon Woodruff, another shaky start, five innings, four runs. He was pretty solid until the fifth inning, which has been a common theme over the last few starts of his uh, so Woodruff falling to two and three on the year. Claudio Yardley and Fireisen pretty solid in relief. JP Fireisen, he's a guy who was just called up, and I think he could factor in to play a major role, especially now with Phelps gone in the bullpen. So the Brewers fall five one. Jerko went two for three, another strong showing. He's really been the best hitter for the Brewers this year. I have to figure he might start getting some starts against right-handed pitching. He's been raking against lefties, and so even though Council is pretty strict with his platoons usually. Uh, I would hope that that Jerko would get some starts, especially with Smoke struggling still a little bit. Brewers ended up taking game four of the series, 6-5. That was yesterday's game on Monday. Uh, the Brewers' bats contributed overall with nine hits. Urias 0-5 for 5 out of the leadoff spot, but kind of more of a blip. Ben Gamble, 3-3. Three for 3 So that was a big a big game for him, and including a double and a couple RBIs. Excuse me, actually one RBI and a couple runs scored. Judd Jerko did DH in the game. And uh, so Brewers ended up taking three of four from Pittsburgh. Overall, a pretty good outing considering that they were uh, swept by the Pirates last week. Hayter looked excellent in this game. A great bounce back outing after his horrible outing on Saturday. Brewers are squarely 
in the race in the NL Central, even though they did trade David Phelps. They still do have a solid bullpen. Offense, I think, is starting to turn things around a little bit, as we kind of expected to happen at some point. Brewers are four games back of the Cubs and a game back of the Cardinals for the second spot. Remember, the top two teams in each division will make the playoffs, plus an additional two wild cards. And so it seems like the best shot at the Brewers making the playoffs is by overtaking St. Louis for that number two spot. And a 500 season could get them into the playoffs. And so things are a little bit different. Yeah, if they are one of the later seeds, they'll have to play one of the better teams. But, you know, three games, anything can happen. And if you look ahead a little bit at the schedule, they play Detroit tonight, a two-game series with Detroit, and that will be at Miller Park. And then they go to Cleveland to play against the Indians before playing in Detroit. They still have 10 games left with the Cardinals, including a five-game series with two double headers in a couple of weeks. And they have to play the Royals still. So got a little bit of an easier schedule now. They really need to capitalize on the Cardinals' two five-game series. One of them caps off the year. Uh, and if the Brewers are able to take six, seven out of those 10 games, I think that that puts the Brewers in the postseason as long as they get the job done against some of those weaker teams. So just looking ahead, two against Tigers, three in Cleveland, th two in Detroit, three at home against the Cubs, and then five games against St. Louis, three against Kansas City at home, and then three at Cincinnati before coming home to finish the year with a five-game set against the Cardinals. Big things. Make sure you capitalize on the bad teams. Hopefully put away the Reds. Maybe they'll be put away by that point already. And then make sure you take advantage of the Cardinals and hopefully being able to overtake them for that second spot. So on Monday, the Brewers made one trade and they sent David Phelps, relief pitcher, to the Phillies. And they traded him in exchange for three players to be named later. I heard speculation that they will be uh, three lower level, younger minor league pitchers. And so nothing to get overly excited about, but I do think it's a move that could pay off in the long run. And so Brewers end up making that trade with Philadelphia. I think that it's not necessarily a move that indicates that the Brewers are sellers now, but I think what it does indicate is that the Brewers had a lot of depth in that relief pitching position and, and the Brewers were able to trade from that depth and add to their ball club in the form of a, a few organizational pitchers and and the reason why they may be player to be named later are because right now you're unable to uh, to trade anyone who's not on your 60-man player pool and so the Brewers then could not acquire anyone other than those 60 guys from the Phillies so they will be players to be named later and then once the season is over likely they'll be announced soon after that and so the names were actually reported um, yesterday a few hours following the trade who some of the the guys that the Brewers were getting in return for David Phelps were so they were all right-handed pitchers Brandon Ramey Israel Pueyo and Juan Geraldo those were the uh, the three that they made and they are all between the ages of 18 and 20 so all young guys Brandon Ramey was a 30th round pick a couple of years ago and has performed well at the lower levels of the minor leagues. They were both international signings from the 2017 signing class and so they're both still pretty young in their professional careers and they will probably start next year I would guess at rookie ball level in Arizona depending on how the minor leagues look a little bit in 2021. Nobody knows for sure what it'll look like but either way Brewers get a three right-handed pitchers all very young and all guys that could have the makeup and the stuff to make it to the major leagues at some point.
The last time the Brewers made a move similar to this was the Adam Lynn trade with Seattle. Uh, I believe that was after the 2015 season. And one of the guys that the Brewers acquired in that trade was Freddie Peralta, who of course has been a difference maker for the team this year. And so interesting to see what, what happens with that. Either way, the players will probably be at least a few years away. But David Phelps heading to Philadelphia, and that was the big move that they made at the trade deadline and really the only trade that they made. But over the past week, the Brewers also released Brock Holt and he had been designated for assignment already. Holt actually signed with the Nationals, and so Brock Holt no longer a member of the Brewers organization. Justin Grimm was activated from the 10-day injured list for one day. He was with the ball club on their doubleheader against Cincinnati, and then he was designated for assignment. And so Justin Grimm, also likely to be released. He, uh, he is... I assume on waivers, that's typically what happens when somebody's designated for assignment. But in the next couple of days, we'll, we'll hear his fate. Manny Pena tore his meniscus, and so that was a big thing that we'll talk about a little bit more in depth later. He was placed on the 10-day injured list, and they recalled Jacob Nottingham correspondingly to take a spot on the roster. And then Brandon Woodruff was placed on the paternity list, his, uh, his, his wife. Um, giving birth and so congratulations to Brandon Woodruff on becoming a father I believe is for the first time and so Woodruff will be away from the team for a few days Corey Knable was uh, was sent on a rehab assignment to the Brewers alternate training site and then they recalled two guys who who uh, have not appeared for the Brewers yet will be making their major league debuts Trey Shupak and Justin Topa and Trey Shupak we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit first He's kind of been a mid-level prospect for the Brewers for a while. Fangraphs ranked him as their 30th best prospect. He big-bodied right-handed pitcher. 6'5", 240 is what he's officially listed at, but I do think that he might be a little bit bigger than that. Got solid command, four-pitch mix with the four-seam fastball, curveball, changeup, and cutter. According to uh, many of the scouting reports I've seen, his changeup and his curveball are, are his better pitches. And he was acquired from the Pirates in the Jason Rogers trade. So Jason Rogers, a bench player that the Brewers had, that trade brought back Keon and Trey Shupak. And so uh, some people might call it the Jason Rogers trade that keeps on giving. And so if we go through a quick trade tree of the Brewers, Jason Rogers ended up being traded to the Pirates, who they really only kept him for less than a year before he went overseas. I don't even know. Let's check if he's still playing real quick. Jason Rogers. I always liked him. He was a nice guy. He'd always sign autographs before the game. He plays in the Mexican League. Okay, so he's 32 years old. Um, big first baseman, third baseman, but they traded Jason Rogers to Pittsburgh. They got back Shupak, who's, of course, now going to be making his major league debut. And then they also got Keon Broxton. Keon Broxton had a, a few solid years with the Brewers before they traded him to the Mets. And in exchange, they got uh, Bobby Wall, who uh, is a member of the Brewers bullpen. I think he's at the alternate training site right now, uh, but he uh, he he will be back in the major leagues at some point soon. They also acquired um, Adam Hill and Felix Valerio. And so those were two prospects that they got in return. Uh, Adam Hill, let's see, I think he was traded to the Mariners. He was. He was traded to the Mariners, and that was in the Narvaez deal. And so Adam Hill then was uh, one of the pieces that got them back Narvaez. They have this infielder, Felix Valerio, Bobby Wall, all because of Jason Rogers, along with Trey Shupak. So thank Jason Rogers for uh, the number of players that they have. And Shupak 
last year in AAA through 30 innings. As a starter, seven starts, 9.3 ERA, not great, but it was really his home run rate that was through the roof. The uh, the baseballs didn't help there in in AAA being being uh, juiced maybe using the major league ball, and so his 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 performance in Double A was a little bit better there, more than a little bit I guess, 2.2 ERA in 122 innings, and so Shubak uh, could get a start in place of Woodruff. They went with a bullpen day yesterday, but uh, we'll see if Shubak ends up starting. And so Shubak is a guy that I'd say he's more of a depth starter, but could end up being a, a back-end guy maybe. And so the other guy they got was uh, Justin Topa. He had his contract selected, um, I don't know, from the alternate training site, I guess. Uh, and so he was not on the 40-man roster. He was actually drafted uh, by the Pirates initially in 2013. And he played with the Pirates organization and then later the Rangers organization for a little bit. And then he went to the Canada American Association, pitched for the Rockland Boulders. And uh, that is an independent league. And so we mentioned independent leagues uh, a little bit earlier uh, in the podcast last week. And he's a guy who pitched a little bit in the independent leagues and then was signed following the 2018 season by the Brewers. And so he he pitched last year in, in high A and double A, was pretty effective, and he was reportedly up to 99 miles an hour off the mound. And so he's a guy who could be a reliever, maybe somebody who uh, is more of a middle reliever, especially at this point, but a, a great story by somebody who um, who was in independent league baseball just two years ago. Uh, that is that is something that is, uh, is of note, uh, not necessarily taking the traditional path to the major leagues. Justin Topa, he is uh, the newest member of the Brewers. And so uh, a pair of pitchers called up there. One of the big question marks around this team is the offense. I think that that's really, the offense has been struggling this whole year. The starting rotation's been okay. The bullpen's been pretty good overall, I'd say. And, and then the offense has been really struggling. Gamble has been ineffective after his his hot start. Yelich has not been himself. Braun has struggled to get going a little bit. Obviously, El Garcia has been okay. Um, Keston Hira is struggling to uh, consistently make contact. And Justin Smoke, a little bit more of the same. Omar Narvaez has just been ineffective overall. And so that really leaves them with Orlando Arcia, Jed Jerko, and Luis Urias as the, the key performers in the offense. Not necessarily the a great trio. Urias has looked really good. He's uh, displayed excellent at bats, putting uh, putting good swings on the ball and uh, good plate discipline. And so Urias is a guy who could be leading off long term. He's he's been their leadoff hitter over the last few games, mixing in between second, short, and third. And I think he's a guy a, a long term piece that could be with the Brewers for a while. And so Urias is a guy who looks like he's somebody who's really making his mark this year. Archie is proving that whether as a starting shortstop or just in some role at the major league level, he belongs. He hasn't really done that with the bat, but I think I think he's somebody who maybe with the competition uh, was pushed to improve his his offensive skills. And so Orlando Arcia has been performing well, as has Jed Jerko. He's been a good power bat. Uh, hit two home runs and then was benched the next day, which has been kind of typical this year. Council's been very strict to his platoons. And so, I don't know. I Personally, I'm okay with it. I understand. I mean, Jerko starts at uh, at third base in, in place of Stilgard, hits two home runs, 
excuse me, either first or third base, I'm not 100% sure. But then Eric Sogard the next day hits a walk-off home run, and so uh, that's one of those things where instead of having Jerko play third base, they have Sogard, and Sogard ends up being the the big guy of the game. And so that was that was a big lift me up after Hader's horrible outing. I think it's more of kind of a blip on the radar for for Hader. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of a trend. His walk rate has been high this year, even if you take out the the horrible outing that he had where he walked five guys in just a third of an inning. But I think he'll get back on track. And so the really the, the positions that are in question right now are the outfield. They do need a bat. Domingo Santana was designated for assignment yesterday, and so I'd be interested to see if maybe the Brewers would take a chance on him, take a flyer. He's still an, an okay hitter, and that the offense is really what needs improvement. They they do have Braun, Garcia, and Yelich and Gamel. But if Braun is taking most of the at bats at DH, Garcia is primarily playing center. That leaves still left field for Yelich and then right for Gamel or Domingo Santana could be there. Also, we could then end up getting Domingo back, which would be nice. Um, again, the Brewers traded Domingo for Ben Gamel, and so uh, bring back I guess another piece, kind of like Keon that they that they did. But the infield is kind of a, a big a big collection of guys who are okay. Jerko, Arcia, and Urias are all performing, like we mentioned. Sogard has been bad this year, really outside of the home run. And so he's been taking walks, but that's about it. His, his at-bats have been pretty good, but he's not getting the results that he really should be getting. Keston, not making enough contact, but I, I think he'll turn it around. Mark Mathias, Jace Peterson, those are kind of spark plug guys. Brock Holt is gone, and so those are utility guys that that really are helping out in, in multiple ways. Mathias with uh, two doubles uh, in the game on Saturday. Jace Peterson, uh, he walked right before Sogard's walk-off home run, and they provide defensive versatility. They can play all over the infield and some corner outfield as well. And so those are guys that are nice bench pieces to have. But I'm a little bit surprised and a little bit concerned that the Brewers didn't address the offense, especially in light of Manny Pena's injury that weakens the catching core a little bit. Narvaez has been definitely below expectations this year, but Jacob Nottingham has, has come up and, and has assumed the role of backup now. Nottingham's been in the organization for a while. He hasn't really performed very well at the high levels of the minor leagues, but he's also spent a lot of time and a lot of emphasis on that defensive game of his being so important at catcher. And Narvaez, we could be seeing the same effect. And so Nottingham has been really improved as a defensive performer. We haven't really gotten a look at him necessarily uh, over an extended period of time at the major league level. But, but guys inside the organization have talked about how much he's improved over the last few years in his receiving and uh, just his overall defensive game as a catcher. And so I think what we'll really miss with Pena is some of the relationship that he had with the pitcher and his uh, his ability to call a game. Jacob Nottingham, a young catcher, he definitely has talent, and so it will be interesting to see if he's able to capitalize on that and make the most of his opportunity here. Pena hopes to be back by October, should the Brewers make the postseason. We don't know for sure if that'll happen, but that kind of is where the timetable is set at. And so the Brewers could, if they make a postseason run, have Manny Pena back for the stretch run. And so the Brewers making a couple of moves, but none of them were adding a, a big bat to bolster their offense. So um, I guess I'm, I would say I'm a little bit disappointed, but I understand why they didn't. But 
Uh, we're just going to recap some of the moves that were made around Major League Baseball, some of the trades that were made in light of the trade deadline. Padres acquired former Brewer Taylor Williams from the Mariners. Giants acquired Anthony Banda from the Rays. That was just for cash consideration. And uh, and Banda had been designated for assignment, actually. Cabrian Hayes was um, called up by the Pirates. He was not traded, but he's one of the better prospects there in Pittsburgh. The Marlins acquired Starling Marte from the D-backs. Uh, Marte has an expiring contract uh, unless they pick up the $12.5 million option on him after the year. They traded Caleb Smith, a left-handed starter, Umberto Mejia, um, who's a, a right-handed pitcher, and a player to be named later. And kind of interesting because the Marlins actually had just traded Jonathan Villar to the Blue Jays, who uh, who traded Griffin Conine in exchange for him. Pretty good return on VR for the, the Marlins. Uh, they picked up VR off waivers, actually, after Baltimore designated him for assignment last year, but he's still a, a decent player, another former Brewer. The Blue Jays acquired Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. This was a little bit of a... A little bit of a surprise for me. The Dodgers need um, need some some pitching, maybe more in the bullpen, but Stripling still helped. The Dodgers didn't really add to their ball club at all, and instead, Stripling's headed to Toronto. He was in the trade with the Angels along with Jock Peterson that ultimately fell through um, in the past offseason. The Reds acquired Archie Bradley. Uh, they traded Josh Van Meter and another outfield prospect. Bradley's a relief pitcher. Uh, could, could factor in down the stretch. The Reds' bullpen has not been good really at all. Um, Miguel Castro was acquired by the Mets from the Orioles, and the Orioles re received Kevin Smith, uh, just a, a left-handed pitcher there, and that comes after the Mets acquired Robinson Chirinos and Todd Frazier. Also, uh, Michael Givens was traded to the Rockies. Taryn Vavra was in included in that deal, a, a native of Menominee, Wisconsin. Tommy Malone was also dealt to the Braves from the Orioles. Uh, the Rangers, there were a lot of a lot of rumors surrounding Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo, but both of them stayed put. Mike Miner was dealt to Oakland, and so that was the main move that the Rangers made. The Cubs, uh, fellow NL Central rival, acquired Cameron Mabin from the Tigers, just kind of a fourth outfield type who, uh, to be honest, it's a little bit surprising he's still playing and he's only 33. Uh, the Reds acquired Brian Goodwin from the Angels, uh, a solid outfielder with... Uh, with uh, pretty distinct platoon advantage usually plays only against right-handed pitching but the 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 Reds traded Packy Naughton in that one uh, great baseball name Packy Naughton uh, I, I've heard of him but I guess I'm kind of surprised that I um, didn't really know anything about him considering how great his uh his name is Packy Naughton anyways Dodgers Dodgers were pursuing Lance Lynn. They ended up not um, not being able to strike a deal with the Rangers. Like I'd mentioned before, the Cubs acquired Josh Osich from the Red Sox for a player to be named later. The Rockies acquired Kevin Pillar from the Red Sox. Like I mentioned, Phillies acquired David Phelps from the Brewers. Cubs acquired Andrew Chafin from the Diamondbacks, a left-handed reliever there. And uh, Indians DFA'd Domingo Santana, like I'd previously mentioned. Blue Jays acquired Robbie Ray, left-handed starting pitcher from Arizona. Tigers claimed Derek Rodriguez off waivers from the Giants. Uh, Derek Rodriguez was a, a very good rookie right-handed starting pitcher a couple years ago with the Giants. Ultimately kind of fell off since then. He is the son of Pudge Rodriguez, just as a, a side note. Um, but those are, those are some of the main ones. But the biggest deal that was made was... Mike Clevenger heading to San Diego from Cleveland. He's a, really a difference maker in the starting rotation. I felt like the return was a little bit light. The Indians got a lot of depth, 
but they didn't really get any high-impact guys. They acquired Greg Allen and a player to be named later, along with Clevenger, Allen, a speedy outfielder. Josh Naylor, power-hitting power first baseman and outfielder, was uh, was traded to Cleveland along with catcher Austin Hedges, who is uh, really a, a glove-first catcher. Outstanding defensive catcher, but not very good with the bat. Right-handed pitcher Cal Quantrill, who could be, a, would say, a mid-rotation starter um, down the road, was also sent to, to uh, Cleveland, as was a shortstop prospect Gabriel Arias, left-handed pitcher Joey Cantillo, and minor league infielder Owen Miller, who actually hails from Mequon, Wisconsin, a northern suburb of Milwaukee. And so I thought that the that the return was a little bit light for for someone who is of the caliber of Mike Clevenger. He is a, a very good starting pitcher, but they also were looking to move him. There was a little bit of friction in the clubhouse after he and Zach Plesak had uh, broken the COVID rules. And so it's possible that that might have played into it. And that was that was really the, the biggest move the Padres made, but they also acquired Austin Nola, catcher and infielder. Uh, right-handed pitcher Austin Adams, as well as Dan Altavia from Seattle. And I thought that the return was kind of heavy on this one. Uh, San Diego traded their outfield prospect, Taylor Trammell, who is an outstanding athlete and a, a pretty good player. Uh, infielder Tyler France, Luis Torrens, a catcher, and Andres Munoz, a left-handed reliever who throws about 100 miles an hour, recovering from Tommy John surgery right now. But I thought that that was really a steal for the uh, Mariners, uh, Jerry Depoto, of course, being extremely active on the trade front. And Jason Castro was also acquired by the Padres from the Angels. Gerardo Reyes was traded um, in exchange for Castro. He's a catcher. And so that made Austin Hedges kind of expendable. So those were some of the main moves that were made over the last couple days. Uh, and more more stuff around the league, but those were, those were some of the more major moves. Brewers had a, I wouldn't necessarily say a quiet day. They still did make that Phelps move, but not necessarily a big splash. Of course, the big thing, Hayter is still a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. I could see him being traded in the offseason, but they didn't really get the right offer. And so uh, that's just some of the, the news around baseball in light of the trade deadline. So before we finish, we're just going to revisit our trivia question for the day. And so that question will be here. We have Peter along with a special guest to go over the trivia question. And special for today's podcast, we have a, a special guest here to help us out with the trivia question. Good friend of ours and huge Brewers fans, uh, Andrew Volkman here. So Andrew, again, today's trivia question, who was the last Brewers hitter to participate in the Home Run Derby? Andrew, do you have a guess on this? I do. From the 2018 Home Run Derby, it was Jesus Aguilar. That is correct. Jesus Aguilar, the last Brewers to, uh, hitter to participate in the Home Run Derby. That's correct. Uh, check yourself on that one if you if you got that one. By the way, Andrew's a, a 10-year-old Brewer fan and a good friend of ours. Happy to have him on the podcast. So again, Jesus Aguilar, the last Brewers hitter to participate in the Home Run Derby. I believe the one before him was that Corey Hart in 08? So Ricky Weeks actually was participated in the Home Run Derby in 2011. Oh, that's right. Was that when Fielder chose Weeks and that was kind of like people weren't like super happy about it because Weeks didn't deserve to be there? Yeah, he was the captain. Fielder was the captain. They did. It was like a couple of years that they did that. And uh, and so Fielder being the captain chose Weeks. And Hart, I think, was 2010 when he was in the Home Run Derby. And I, I don't think there were any between 11 and 18. 
Yeah, I know Fielder was in it, uh, but I don't know. Was he ever in it as a Brewer? Well, 2011 was his last year with the Brewers, so he was after, but with the Tigers. Um, and Brewers didn't really have, like, big bats to be in it other than Braun. Right, and Braun's once, not like... Yeah, the- once, once Braun finished, because he was there in 08, um, and, uh, and so Braun didn't do it, I don't think, after that. Uh, or for sure not after his PED suspension in 2013. Right, which makes sense. But yeah, I, I remember the Weeks one because it was kind of controversial that Fielder chose him. And I, for some reason, Corey Hart, I remember that one because he like destroyed in the first round and then got super tired and was like horrible in round two. I don't even did he, I don't even know if he hit one in round two, but he led the, the first round. Anyways, so there you go. Today's trivia question. Jesus Aguilar, the last Brewers hitter to participate in the home run derby. Before we sign off here, Andrew... Brewers prediction for the season. Where Are they making the playoffs? Where are they going? They're going to go to the playoffs with the team they have and the win they just pulled off. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we have about a month left of, of the season. It'll be interesting to see if the Brewers are able to keep their success um, going. Maybe not keep their success, but maybe make it a little bit more consistent. They've been just kind of consistently playing mediocre baseball. And so if the Brewers can sneak into the playoffs. The division has really underwhelmed this year. The Reds bought at the trade deadline, added a couple pieces. Cubs did as well. Cubs will make the playoffs. But um, who knows if the Reds will. Brewers, kind of. those are two of the teams competing there, as are the Cardinals. It seems kind of likely we might only see actually two NL Central teams this year in the postseason. But we will see. But either way, thank you for joining us and thank you for listening. We'll be continuing to make podcasts every week over the next couple of weeks uh, as the Brewers prepare for the stretch run. And um, hopefully the Brewers can have a little bit more success. And uh, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.